is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, how are you feeling? Here we are, middle of January. We're taking a look outside. The weather has not been frightful and nor has the marketplace here in Toronto. You know what? It's interesting because all sorts of reports are now swirling around and I'm going to try to disseminate some of it for you, get a better understanding what the numbers truly mean. You know, right now I've been looking at a few things and I'm thinking to myself, okay, the market sounds like it's doing exceptionally well, sometimes too well, and then other places in the country, not so good. So let's, uh, let's see what the numbers shook up this week. First and foremost, we take a look at the previous month, whatever we talk about real estate. It's always your best as your last month. And here in Toronto, uh, incredible numbers, actually. Year over year, the month of December, 19.7% increase year over year in the month of December. Now, that's a big number. And, you know, normally our December markets are normally quite slow, you know, obviously holiday season in that. And yet 19.7%. But the other number to take a look at is what happened in the month of November and then say, okay, so did... Did December actually leapfrog and actually do better than the month of November financially? And it did. Uh, it rose 1.2%, which means constant growth. So we are still in a strong market. Now, of course, January, this is the one that's going to really tell the tale. When we start seeing the reports come in in the uh, beginning of February, we'll be able to analyze what the market's actually truly doing. Because January, this is the one that every January over the last few years, we've seen an increase. So will we see it in the marketplace? Uh, the other market, of course, that we always have been watching has been Vancouver because it led the charge last year and then all of a sudden went flat. Uh, you know, six months and all of a sudden we started seeing some prices go backwards. But in the month of December, Vancouver actually showed a year-over-year increase of 17%. So most people are saying, hey, that's not bad. Well, but the last three months of the year, though, prices were down 2.8% in succession. So that means that each month, it was just coming off a little bit, a little bit, and, you know, accumulation of 2.8% in three months. Now, again, not a huge drop. Right now, most people are forecasting an 8% adjustment in the Vancouver market. But just recently, Royal Page came out with a report saying that we should be looking at double-digit gains for 2017 in Toronto. Double-digit again. So, you know what? Over 10% could be 15. These are some pretty big numbers. And if you've uh, been tuned into the show over the last 6 to 12 months, you hear me caution people saying, sooner or later, we need to pull back. You know, the throttle has to pull back. We're, we've been, it's been an aggressive market. What we don't want to see is too many years in a row where we see the double-digit gains because that then can set people up for a bubble. Now, Again, when we talk about bubbles, a lot of people don't understand what a bubble means. A bubble simply is something a price going up too quickly, and then all of a sudden we have this fall off, and all, all activity stops, and all of a sudden prices come crashing down. So we aren't in that position. Right now, the demand is the one that is driving this marketplace. Not just prices, but the demand. And with the lack of inventory, this is what's making it more difficult for people to buy. You know, coming through uh, the Christmas time, listening to some of the reports out there, when people are telling us that, 
you know, household $400,000 over the asking price, I'd have to say shame on the agent, okay? It's bad pricing. In other words, it's not something you can brag about or should be bragging about. The dollar value is what you should be bragging about, meaning in that marketplace, if the house sold next door for a million fifty and you got 1.1 million, good for you, the seller, good for the buyer going into it. But to make a buyer feel that they had to go $400,000 over an asking price because the agent was trying to do this, I think it's a, I think it does a disservice to the actual marketplace. It's okay that our prices are up, but people stop reporting these numbers the way they are because what it does is it throws such a light on the market and I don't think it's the right way to look at it. Prices are up. Great. Prices were up 1.2% last month. Great. I like that. A million dollar house, it was up 12,000. That's okay. But to sit there and tell people that, oh, it went $400,000 over the asking price, you know what? It's a lie because it didn't go $400,000 over the asking price. It actually went for market value. And all of the people that showed up to buy that property were trying to figure out market value. Where it was, it was actually the contract was written at one price, but the reality actually came through. And that's the kind of stuff that we have to be cautious with because this is what drives markets out of control and then potentially have a crash. So have you ever thought about it? Have you actually thought to yourself, hey, listen, I hope prices adjust? Well, if you're a buyer and you're struggling right now, you know, one of the things that people are doing is they're having a tough time getting into a property. Some of the new rules and regulations that the government's put in place has made it a little bit more difficult. They've put a threshold in there because they want to make sure that people can qualify properly for these for these homes. So one of the things that we are starting to see is the bank of mom and dad is coming out. Um, you know, shortly I'm going to have Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage come on and we're going to talk about that because again, where where and how are people now buying properties? First time home buyers, it's really tough to to come up with a big enough down payment. You know, last week I had Ramana King on from Money Sense, and we were talking about the fact that the province of British Columbia had turned around and put out that offer to buyers, first-time buyers. They would turn around and give you an interest-free loan of 5% of the actual purchase price. And, you know, I don't think anybody in the marketplace actually agrees with it, other than, of course, the buyer saying, hey, this means I can get into a property. I think it creates a big problem. And, of course, I always make my shout-out to Kathleen Wynn. Anytime she wants to be on the show, I'm happy to have her. But I just want to make sure that she understands, don't do that to Ontario, because we we, we don't need to create extra debt for these buyers that is just going to make it more difficult, less skin in the game. So the fact that mom and dad are now stepping in, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well, as I said, Dave Butler's going to be joining me shortly and we're going to talk about that. Also, you know what? Lots going on in the news nowadays and we have to take a look at the outer markets. For instance, the Oshawa area, uh, some of the areas in Vaughan, you know, all sorts of areas such as, you know, Kleinberg, Maple, Thornhill, Woodbridge, all, all these marketplaces have seen incredible gains. In fact, 20 to 30% increase in pricing. And so here at Simply Real Estate, one of the things that we've decided to do is every once in a while, we're going to work on getting a mayor of one of the cities on our show. Today, I'm going to have the guest, uh, my guest is the mayor of Vaughan, and he's going to be joining us, uh, and we're going to talk about Vaughan and a lot of things that are going on there. And uh, you know what? New uh, bus terminal breaks ground in Vaughan. It's going to be ready at the end of 2017. We'll find out, you know, some of the, uh, more or less the personality of Vaughan and again, surrounding areas 
Uh, include Concord, Kleinberg, Maple, Thornhill, and, and Woodbridge. Big population, 320,000 people. So again, we're going to be talking about that with the mayor. And a little bit later on the hour, um, you know the big complaint that we've heard that a lot of the green space is being held back from development? Well, there's actually been a study done, and uh, Marcy Birchfield is going to be joining us. She's executive director from Neptis Foundation. And, you know, they've been taking a look at it, and they're really saying that this is not the case. The reason why there's a shortfall isn't necessarily because the green space is not being allowed to be utilized. So we're going to take a good look at it and uh, we'll, we'll break it down because again, you know, supply and demand, this has been the thing that has been uh, really driving a lot of the marketplaces. We know Vancouver had the same problem. You know, they're built around basically the mountains and it was hard for them to develop. So again, infill sites becoming very, very pricey. Uh, you know, we were talking last week with one of the councillors out of Mississauga. Again, they're they're actually able to open up some uh, space that had been u- previously utilized by one of the oil companies as well as the coal generating plant. And we're seeing some redevelopment and people are taking a different mindset. So there's going to be inventory that's going to be coming into the Mississauga area shortly as well. Don't forget, uh, there's also the development uh, that is coming up, big development on the uh, Burnham Thorpe Highway 10 area. And they're going to be putting a few thousand more units there, all infill though. And this is the thing. So are we, have we reached the max of our borders? Well, again, I've got the experts that are going to be joining, talking to us about that, and we're going to kind of break it down. So remember, um, you know, again, this is uh, for some of you, this is the first time you've been listening to this show because, you know, this is our new hour at 3 p.m. I am your host, Todd C. Slater. Uh, I've been in the real estate world for just about 30 years, and I'm really glad that you've tuned in to listen to us. For all of my listeners that tune in every single week, uh, welcome back. Love, love having my, uh, my listeners, you know, chat with me. And every once in a while, we try to throw in a live segment where we can turn around and have people call in. Uh, this week, we've got some great guests, so the, the uh, phone lines aren't open. But remember, you can always reach me at thesimpleinvestor.com and you can find out about our newest releases. Speaking of new releases, we've got one coming up at the end of the month. There's going to be emails going out to our current investor base, everybody that's ever been interested. But if you want to find out more. Uh, We're going to be talking about our new release at the end of January. Very exciting. And you'll be able to find out all about it, where it's located, what the price is, uh, how many units are going to be available. And of course, our new RRSP program is off to a fabulous start. We've got people that are utilizing RSPs in our developments and very, uh, very exciting stuff. Um, So, if you are interested, go to thesimpleinvestor.com and you can always find out more about what we've got going on. And just to kind of close out my, my analysis of the marketplace, I think that we're going to have a strong spring. My real question is, I don't know if the government's going to step in and try to cool things down, uh, hoping that uh, you know the powers to be will be very smart about it. I know a lot of them are doing research. We don't need any quick knee-jerk reactions because we don't want a market to over adjust itself. We understand that we've got to have some stability. We need people to be able to afford real estate. And again, if you take a look at it, real estate truly is your best investment. Why? Because you've got a tenant paying down your debt. If you're looking at it as an investment for yourself, everybody needs a place to live. But if you want to be a landlord, remember, your tenant pays down your debt, you've got tenants, and all in all, you just sit back and let it happen. So, 
If you want to find out more, uh, as I said, go to simpleinvestor.com. And when I come back, I'm going to be talking with Dave Butler. We're going to talk about the bank of mom and dad. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back to the show. Hey, listen, you know what? Interest rates, don't know where they're going to go. You know, we talk about it all the time. More importantly, how are people going to afford real estate this year? Well, I've got my expert joining me right now. It's Mr. Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. And welcome to the show, Dave. Hey, how you doing, Todd? Thank you. You know, uh, we haven't talked since last year. Always (laughs) great to have you here at Simply Real Estate. And... uh, this is, um, you know, this could be an interesting year. Yes. You know, um, we, we've we seen some notes coming out, and people are saying the bank of mom and dad uh, has a growing hand in the real estate market for first-time <laughs> home buyers. What do you think? Are are you finding that a little bit more than usual? I mean, it, it, I, I've certainly seen, I think even last year, we saw a lot more uh, gifted uh, down payment coming in. And uh, I think that will be definitely a trend moving forward. Um you know, and I think obviously for this year, I mean, I don't, I'm sure you've noticed it as well in your own practice, but I mean, December uh, was still flying off the charts. I've never seen a December like that in our business. And January so far is not like a normal January. January seems to be red hot. I mean, I know we're hearing about BC and some of the issues they're having over there. Um, but as far as in Ontario, I mean, it, I, unless I'm unless I'm reading something wrong, and I'm not, I'm, I'm I'm totally not in the same game as everybody else. But things are moving still very very quickly. Well, you know, um, numbers came out from uh, from the Toronto Real Estate Board uh, looking at December prices up 19.7 percent year over year, but month over month 1.2 percent. So not not too crazy, but year over year consistent. What everybody was calling out, you know. 113,000 transactions in the TREB board last year. But more importantly, you know, you keep seeing the steady growth. So as you said, January, it, it would be kind of something catastrophic, I think, would have to happen just to derail everything. So, you yeah, know, the, I mean, we... I think we'd have to see, as you said, I think we have to see, we have to see interest rates go very, very high. And I mean, the message right now that at least I've been conveying to my clients as far as interest rates go is that simply we've seen a pattern the last three years in a row where the rates have, the fixed rates in particular, have gone up a little bit in October, November, December. And then we've seen them in two years in a row come back down in the spring. And so, you know, the question I get from all my clients and, you know, everyone says, Dave, what should I do? Should I be locking in? Should I be taking a fixed rate, a variable rate? And the the honest answer I give everyone is we really need to see the second half of this pattern to see if it's if the rates drop again in the spring, because certainly nobody's going to want to take a fixed rate at 2.99 and then the same rate at 2.49 is available in the spring. They're going to feel like they've lost out. So a lot of times right now we're just recommending a flexible term to say, hey, get in the variable for now. Let's see what happens. We don't know. I mean, if in the spring the rates don't drop and we see a continued, you know, slightly upwards growth, then at least we we can start to make a more informed decision as to whether we go fixed or variable at that time. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about the market, you know, you and I have these conversations all the time. Right now, Bank of Canada is, is pretty much telling us they're going to stay pat. The where, where are they 
replace it right now, at least for the first six months of the year. So we're not going to see any upward force there. Um, you know, back in the fall, you and I talked about TD and RBC, you know, arbitrarily changing their internal rates. And, uh, you know, so you, 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 you felt that from a few of your people, you know, yeah, yeah, you had that question saying, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah. But, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the strong lenders um, didn't, didn't fall into that, into that rut. They decided that they're going to stay where they were. And so they haven't changed up their rates. You know, you, you mentioned one thing, and, and I think it's important for our listeners to understand it, is the fact that when some of the banks do kind of uh, do it arbitrarily themselves, that, you know, they're, they're, they're just trying to push their book a little. Um, but they normally come back in the spring and, you know, they, 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 they go up in the fall, come back a little in the spring. You and I have seen it for years and years and years, mm-hmm. kind of a standard real estate market trick. But, you know, um, again, we haven't seen the, the, the actual market itself. The gas pedal hasn't come off it. No. You know, it just seems like, you know, you, here, here we are, we're talking about December, you know, record numbers, record number of sales. And this is December. You and I never have these kind of conversations about <laughs> December. So, you know, it, it, are, do you think we're going to see any kind of fluctuation or, or are we just going to keep going? You know what? I mean, all indicators as far as I can see is that uh, 2017, at least in Ontario, from what I'm experiencing, is going to be a pretty hot year as well. I mean, I'm speaking. It's funny. I mean, just had a client, a, a client I was speaking to last night. And, you know, the, the idea is still out there that people are not wanting to sell their home in these winter months. I mean, the conversation I'm having with the client last night is he says, I have an offer on my home right now, and I'm not going to take it because I'm going to list it again in the spring. And my realtor says I'm going to get an extra 50 grand. So, I mean, the idea is still out there. That's still being pushed. Um, you know, it, more and more consumers understand that there's going to be more inventory in the spring. And, I mean, as far as how busy we are right now, at least as a company and seeing what's going on in the industry, I certainly don't necessarily see all of a sudden 2017 just it's coming to a halt. Uh, you know, I think, you know, and, and we, we've all said this, we, their interest rates, in my opinion, have to get at least above three and a half, four percent for us to see really any negative, you know, as far as bringing back the market a little bit more to normalcy. But I mean, again, January, our numbers, I'm seeing record numbers. I'm looking at our boards going, wow, this doesn't look like a normal year. Uh, You know, it looks even, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it looks hotter than the beginning of last year. And uh, which is very odd to me because the rules uh, were changed. We had some rule changes happen in November and December, and you'd think that would cool something off. And, you know, most mortgage brokers thought we might have a bit of a a nice holiday without being so busy, but that has not happened. So, um, you know, to, to what, to your question, I don't think we're going to see a slowdown in 2017. At least that's not what there, you know, there's no indication of that as far as I'm, I'm sitting and looking at as far as what's going on today. Or, uh, you know, and I'll just throw this out there uh, for our listeners or um, Butler Mortgage is getting the lion's share of the mortgages because they're, <laughs> they're a good company to deal with and, and you're just getting a bigger part of the market. So maybe that's the real, maybe that's the real reason, Dave. You know, uh, it totally could be, but I talked to other brokers and they're telling me this is a mad January. Yeah. I've also talked to some of the smaller lenders Lenders who are affected more by the rule changes saying that some of them are twiddling their thumbs. So that must mean that the banks are picking up the lion's share of the difference that the smaller lenders have lost due to the rule changes. So. Yeah, excellent. Hey, Dave, listen, always great to have you on. We'll keep bringing you back on so you can keep updating everybody. And Thank uh, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, Todd. Folks, that was Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. You know what? It's an interesting start. It's quite strong. So coming up after the break, 
What do you know about Vaughn? How about Concord, Kleinberg, Maple, Thornhill, Woodbridge? Well, you know what? I've got the mayor of Vaughn. He is going to be joining me. It's Mr. Maurizio Bevilacqua, and he is going to be joining me right after our next break. You know, let's find out uh, why is this area growing the way it is. We got 325,000 people. So coming up right after the break, we will be joined by the mayor. And stay with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. You know, one of the areas that I like to focus on, obviously, is the expanding area of the GTA. And, you know, when we take a look at some of the the neighborhoods, a lot of people aren't quite aware of some of the development, you know, all the potential that they have. And when I take a look at the city of Vaughan, which includes also Concord, Kleinberg, Maple, Thornhill, and Woodbridge, you know, we've watched the population grow over the years. But one of the things that, you know, we have to commend them on, obviously, is the infrastructure. And today I'm very fortunate to be joined by the mayor of Vaughan, Mr. Maurizio Bevilacqua. Mr. Mayor, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Todd. Um, so, sir, you know, when we when we listen to some of the things, some of the positive, uh, you know, things that are going on, on in the in the area in the city of Vaughan, um, you know one one of the big ones, of course, is the new uh, bus terminal uh, that's breaking ground and and should be open uh, around the end of 2017. Uh, Mr. Mayor, can you tell us a little bit about you know why people are gravitating so much uh, into your marketplace? Well, there's so much going on here in the city of Vaughan. We obviously have the Vaughan advantage. We're situated in a very advantageous location. We have excellent highway access to more than 155 million Canadian American consumers within a one day drive. We have a high quality of life and standard of living that is really uh, second to none. We're the safest community in the country. Our economic growth is well above the um, national and provincial average. Uh, over between 2010 and 2015, our average employment growth in Vaughan was 4.3% when you compare it to the provincial average of uh, 1.2 or the Canadian average of 1.1%. So this is a, definitely a city on the go. What's really happening here is that we're making some major, major investments uh, in uh, critical infrastructures that is going to bring about even further economic growth and uh, higher standard of living for the people that reside in the area. Not to mention that people that live in the city of Bonn actually live longer. This is a statistic that uh, (laughs) I received from uh, an institute uh, run by Patricia McCartney that benchmarks various cities throughout the world. And the life expectancy here in the city of Bonn is 85 years of age. So think about that. Excellent quality of life, longevity. We have just so many things going on. And we, we recently announced above and beyond the, the, the bus terminal. Obviously, the subway is coming here. Uh, the subway itself is coming here. It's the first time that the subway has crossed the uh, Toronto borders and Vaughan is getting a subway. It's going to be fully operational by uh, 2017, as is, of course, the bus uh, terminal. Last year, uh, we announced and we had the groundbreaking uh, ceremony for a world-class hospital, million two hundred thousand square feet, 325 beds, the very first smart technology hospital in the country. And we're developing the Vaughan Metropolitan Center as well, uh, where over 30,000 people work, live, and play. This is happening in a location that is very close to the city of Toronto, but it's developed a, a very unique Vaughan signature. And that, to me, is fundamental. So when you look at the Vaughn Advantage, and by that I mean a short 10-minute drive to Canada's busiest airport, Pearson International, 
excellent highway access. Uh, we also have both Canadian National and Canadian Pacific Railway maintain major f- facilities here in Vaughan. We have intermodal transportation. Just to put it in perspective, we are a population of 325,000 people, and we have over 200,000 jobs and growing. Uh, there are a lot of opportunities here in the city, and as reference educational institutions, as you know, just on the other side of the street, on Steeles Avenue, we have York University, which uh, we consider uh, really our own university uh, as well. So many students from the city of Vaughan go to York, and it's uh, played a key role in also in our economic development as well. Mr. Mayor, one of the things that we have been obviously tracking over the last few years in real estate is the fact that we see a lot of new immigration coming into the you know GTA area. Do you find that um, you know a lot of new immigrants are also coming into the Vaughan area, and and what is attracting them to the Vaughan area? Well, what is attracting them, obviously, is the fact that we are a very multicultural, diverse uh, population that welcomes people with open arms. We speak 99 different languages here in the city of Vaughan. They also know that when they come to the city of Vaughan, uh, they are going to go and live in a place that was named one of the top 20 best places to live in the country in 2016. And if they have an entrepreneurial spirit, they would also remember that the city was also named one of the top two best places in Ontario to do business in 2016. So... There's a real strong case uh, for for living in Vaughan. When a person makes a decision of where they're going to live, what do they look at? First of all, they want to feel safe, right? They want to have a a sense of of, of safety that they live in a safe community. And we are the safest community in the country. Then they look at what? Opportunities for jobs. And we are leading economic growth in the GTA with a 4.3% employment growth. Uh, Then what do they look at? They look at green spaces as well. And so they would be aware that we are investing greatly in things like the Black Creek Rehabilitation uh, Program, uh, where we're going to have uh, uh, green space uh, in, in even in our downtown core, not to mention a projected uh, almost one-kilometer park right in the middle of, uh, of our downtown core. For those who care about nature, they would also probably recognize the fact that when the city of Vaughan is fully built out, we will have 40% green space. So when you look at that, quality of life, economic opportunity, excellent schools, we're very close to university as well. We are situated in a place where people can live happy lives. And like I said earlier, you know, when you live a, a happy and long life here in the city of Vaughan, there's really no better place to live than right here in the city. I definitely agree with you, you know, looking at, at Vaughan and, and everything is, that has come along, you know, you're, it's a wonderful city and, and I commend you, you know, for leading one of the top cities here in, in Canada now. Um, one of the things that uh, a lot of people, I don't know if they're aware of, that you still have some affordability as well in your real estate. You've got a very diverse real estate uh, market, which is which is nice because you've got the property for the first-time home buyers, the condominiums, the townhomes. But of course, you know, knowing knowing some of the outer market of, of your area being the Kleinberg, Concord, Maple, you also have some of the nice, beautiful estates. So you've got a very diverse, um, you know, real estate group there. And I think yeah. that that bodes well because a lot of people, when they move into an area, they want to stay there for a long time. So you have the ability of moving up. That is uh, correct. City building is really about embracing diversity. It's also really the manifestation of human interaction experiences and you need people uh, and you need to give accessibility and affordability to homes that speak to the different phases and stages of life. I mean, you have the the, the individual, the young person who cannot afford obviously the $1 million home but wants to get into the market so he or she may purchase a a condo that uh, that may cost, 
you know, in the neighborhood of 250, $350,000, $350,000, but at least they're entering the market. You also have on the other side, from an uh, intergenerational point of view, you have people who also want to downsize. And we all know that the, the real estate market really responds to the market forces, and the market forces also are uh, conditioned by the demographic transition that is occurring in uh, in, uh, in our cities uh, uh, throughout Canada. So I think it's really the place to be uh, here in, in the city of Vaughan because of what you have mentioned, because of the excellent track record that we have. We are also attracting um, major companies like KPMG and PwC and uh, and uh, uh, major law firms like uh, Miller Thompson are now moving into our city because they begin to see that it's a very dynamic, very vibrant city that has a, a bright, bright future ahead of it. Well, Mr. Mayor, I appreciate you joining me today here at Simply Real Estate. Thank you so much for giving us kind of a good uh, understanding of Vaughn. I hope that a lot of our listeners realize great place to visit, but even a better place to live. So thank you so much, Mr. Mayor. Thank you so much, Todd. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Uh, Again, watching our markets, taking a look at them. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful place. Uh, Vaughn has had some great uh, stability put into it. Good marketplace. And if you're looking for a place to either start out or move up to, uh, keep on in mind. And uh, we very much appreciate the the mayor coming in and joining us. So when we come back, we've got more. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. You know, you hear a lot in the news about the land uh, surrounding the Toronto area, the greater Toronto area, and we hear a lot of people talking about the fact that we need to be able to start using some of the green belt space, you know, that maybe too much is allocated to it. Well, you know what? The truth is, is that there's been a study done, and my next guest, it is Marcy Birch, sorry, Birchfield, and she's executive director of the Neptis Foundation. And Marcy, you know, uh, a lot of the news, as, as you probably listened to over the last couple years, a lot of people have been complaining the fact the lack of supply is because that there's more strict rules around green belt areas and that we can't develop some of the lands. And yet uh, the Neptis Foundation actually has done some studies that you were part of. And when you analyzed it, you're saying that, um, you know, that's not quite the case, that there's a lot more land that can be developed. And of course, um, the way land is being developed may not be proper. So I think there's a general misunderstanding that um, that the Greenbelt Plan, and then there's another plan called the Growth Plan for the Greater Golden Horseshoe, and that these two plans are somehow responsible for rising house prices. But really that claim is, is linked to this uh, piece about that the plans are somehow creating a shortage of land for housing, and, and that really simply is not true. Um, you know, I, I think there's one has to to uh, be conscious of the many different factors that influence housing prices, and, and there there's a there's an abundance of them, and um, many economists have done analysis as to how how much each of these factors sort of weighs into or factors into housing prices, and you know. Um, Land use policy is just one of those factors, and, and, you know, there's more of a coincidence that's happening here that these plans um, were put in place in 2005 and 2006, 
and everywhere around the globe, housing prices have risen. So somehow these plants are, are being blamed. But the fact is that the the um, Greenbelt plan was just sort of an additional kind of conservation plan that was put in place in 2005 that added 400,000 hectares of additional land for agricultural production and for um, environmental feature protection, um, environmental stewardship, I should say. It was on top of what we these plants that already existed, the Oak Ridge's Moraine plan, um, that is sort of the, that that unique feature that's just above um, sort of the greater Toronto area and, and below Simcoe County and Lake Simcoe, um, and also the Niagara Escarpment. That was also a conservation plan that was put in place. So so, so the Greenbelt is really a suite of three different kind of plans. And then the growth plan is all about coordinating growth across the greater Golden Horseshoe. So it's, it's leveling the playing field in terms of how municipalities approach um, planning policies and, um, and, and um, mechanisms for accommodating the, the rapid growth that we're getting in this region. So I'm not sure if your listeners are aware, but our region's growing between 100 and 125,000 residents per year. In order for us to align our infrastructure plans, such as the um, the regional rail, express rail that uh, the, the, you know it's a sort of a recent um, announcement by the provincial government that they're going to transform these our goal lines, our commuter rail lines, into um, all day two way service with 15 minute or better um, uh, service. Um, that these things need a sound land use strategy, and that's what the growth plan is about. And so what we calculated was, okay, well, looking at, um, you know, municipalities have had time to put these plans into place. And we've calculated across the Greater Golden Horseshoe, municipalities have set aside over 100,000 hectares of land um, to accommodate new growth. And um, just in the Greater Toronto and Hamilton area alone, there's a, over 56,000 hectares that's been allocated for future growth. So that's that's land that has not been built on that is is, is slated for development. So, and, Marcy, when you mentioned hectare, just for our listeners' sake, a lot of people don't understand how big a hectare is. It's not an acre, um, uh, you know, when, sure. when, when you break it down. It's a much larger area. Oh, yeah. So, so the 400,000 hectares of the sort of additional uh, Greenbelt area, that's 700,000 acres. Well, and that's the thing. And, and, and for a lot of people that, um, you know, when you start talking about developments, they don't realize how much an acre actually represents, which is typically in around 40,000 square feet. Right. But when utilizing that, you know, a lot of the homes that are being built today, as you and I both know from a development standpoint, mm-hmm. they're not using a big footprint. You know, no. they're, they're using much smaller. We've got a lot of these wide, shallow lots. You know, people are building on 40 by 80, so 3,200 square feet right. of land, and yet they're putting 2,500 square feet on it. So what a lot of people I don't think realize is that when you use the, you know, that number, when you're talking, you know, hundreds of thousands of hectares, how big that really is and how right. much land actually is still available. And yet, again, you know, a lot of people are saying the pressure on the real estate system is because that they can't develop, let's say, in the proximity of Toronto. Right, right. And 
that's just, as I said, that's just not true because there's lots of land around um, the edges of the city of Toronto and the suburbs, you know, Markham and, and Richmond Hill and, and, and so on and so forth. It is the suburban areas that have allocated this land, you know, because Toronto is all built out, Mississauga is all built out, but it is the suburban areas that have allocated this land. One of the things that um, I think that people can focus on is the fact that there's a lot of the potential of the infill now. You know, a lot Absolutely. of people are repurposing and, you know, we're seeing a lot of that development uh, just uh, recently Mississauga, you know, mm-hmm. they are repurposing a, a group of the Texco Imperial Oil land as well right. as the coal generation plan. Right. And and so they're putting thousands of units in that area. So they're mm-hmm. just repurposing it. So I think I think there's the potential for a lot of these areas to focus on this kind of stuff. That's the principles that the growth plan is taking is it's this, you know, kind of intensification first principle, but intensification first that's aligned with say the big transit investments that are being made and and when in in doing these developments, I mean, many of them are very interesting developments with different urban forms and and you know different different units for different types of households. And you know, let's face it, we our our, our um, population is aging, and over time, um, our households have gotten smaller and smaller. So there's a, just over two uh, people per household is sort of the average household size in Canada, essentially. And this is different from 20 years ago, where it would have been closer to three or three three you know three and a half. Right. When studies like yours that have come out, and, and again, you know, it's it's a completely different mindset. Again, you've got a lot of the, you know, real estate developers that are pushing back saying, no, you know, we need to be able to develop this land. Um, are, are you finding that your study's been in well received or are you getting some pushback? Because I remember when I first saw it come out, I thought to myself, that's an interesting point because all we've heard from the developers is that they're just being handcuffed. They can't develop enough. Are you finding some some hesitation with people? Well, I think that there's been a shift in what the problem is. So at first, the problem was we're running out of land to develop on, and that's simply not true. And I think it's, it's, that has been more of an accepted truth, um, given sort of our calculations and others' calculations as well. Um, and, you know, more recently, we've, we've actually calculated how much of that 57 or 56,000 uh, hectares has actually been built on, and it's only about 20%. So we still have a huge land base to, to build into. Um, so what, it, what, what the conversation has turned to is sort of we don't have enough service land, and service land, for your listeners, are, is essentially the infrastructure, the water and wastewater infrastructure that is put in place in advance of any development that can happen. And so, unfortunately, we don't really have good information about that, so it's, it's hard to prove or disprove, um, but certainly municipalities have been planning, have do their infrastructure planning, you know, 20, 30, even some 50 years in advance. So it's hard to really make the case that it's it's a service land issue. But, you know, there's no doubt that there's folks who own land who want their land secured for urban development. But there's this balance that needs to be put into place of certain interests versus sort of what our overall objectives are in terms of moving to a better quality of life. Well, Marcy, I greatly appreciate you joining us today. Um, you know, it's, again, another light that should be shed on the real estate issues that we are having in the GTA. And uh, thanks so much for joining us today at Simply Real Estate. Okay, thanks, Ty. I appreciate it. Thanks thank, for inviting me. Thank you so much. Folks, that was Marcy Birchfield, uh, Executive Director of the Neptis Foundation. And, um, you know, taking a look at these studies, you know, it makes you you wonder that a lot of people, when they say, you know, real estate market is struggling for supply, is it really supply that's pushing it? Or is it just pure demand and the fact that people want to live in the, uh, obviously, the greater Toronto area? 
Which, again, with our growing population, you know, again, I don't know if supply is really the issue or if it truly is the fact that, you know, if you can't be in the center core as you kind of go on your way out, this is where the supply starts to increase. You know, as we know, numbers are up in a lot of the outer markets, but there's still lots of supply to be had. It's been a great show today as far as our guests go. I always appreciate Dave Butler, you know, stepping in and having a chat with us. Um, the Mayor of Vaughan, Mr. Maurizio Bevavlacqua, uh, for joining me today. Uh, Mr. Mayor, thanks so much. Obviously, uh, great to hear about Vaughan, how uh, it's moving forward. It's got a lot going on and uh, obviously a great city to live in. Uh, Marcy Birchfield, joining Executive uh, Director at Neptis Foundation. You know, again, always trying to provide you a little bit more information, get a better take on things. The headlines don't always mean what's going on in real estate. That's one of the things that we try to do here is break it down and make it simple. Speaking of keeping it simple, uh, I want to thank my producer, Ian Grant. He always makes it simple for me to be able to do the show. And I want to thank all of you for listening each week and greatly appreciate it. So for everybody here at Simply Real Estate, I'm your host, Todd C. Slater, and I'll talk to you next Saturday at 3 p.m. Thanks very much and have a great week.